Our scripture lesson today comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. It's chapter 6, verses 25 to 33. These words might be familiar to you, but listen for God's word to you. May it be just what you need to hear today. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And how can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the, the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not mo much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So good morning. It's so good to be with you today. Hi to everybody who's at home right now watching on Facebook Live or on YouTube, those who are listening to this sermon later on on the church podcast. Um, but to you who are here in person, it's great to see you. I love to see your faces uh, this day. As, as a lot of you know, we're in a sermon series this summer where we're talking about some of the uh, main practices of Christian faith. We're trying to put some of our faith into action. And my purpose in this series is to try and equip you with ways to put your faith into action at home, in your week, in your everyday life, to discover the disciplines or patterns that can help you grow up in your faith. And so um, the first week we talked about prayer, the Christian practice of prayer, and then last Sunday morning we talked about submitting our will to God, submitting to God. Then last Sunday night outside we talked about the practice of worship, a commitment, a calling for all of, all of us in our faith. And today I want to talk with you about simplicity, simplicity. I liked what Pastor Erica said, go to prayer first. That would have been a better sermon than you're about to hear, but... Simplicity. Maybe you already guessed that this would be the topic because you read the sermon title for the morning. You know, the gospel according to Marie Kondo. And a lot of you know, will remember who Marie Kondo is. Um, she's the guru whose book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, uh, was a New York Times number one bestseller. And she also has her own Netflix series, so you can watch her if you want. Um, and what Marie Kondo kind of teaches is how to declutter your house, how to clear out stuff that you don't want or need anymore, and how this can bring you greater clarity and contentment. Her method is well known. She'll say something like, go into your closet or your home or your bookshelf or your spare room or your garage and take out an item of clothing or something that you find. Hold it and ask the question, does this spark joy? Does this bring me joy? Uh, this thing in my hand, and if it does, you keep it, and if not, you throw it away or give it away or get it out of there. She does not ask, do I need this? Because we are very expert, you and I, at saying, well, one day, someday, it might be that I will need that thing. 
and so I'll keep it on my shelf forever. And someone just, just nudged their spouse. I saw it. Um, instead of that kind of, do I need this, she talks about joy, sort of that deeper emotional response. Of course, we know that there's spoons in your kitchen um, uh, drawer that you need. We all need spoons in our lives. But the point that we're trying to, to explore today is about how to simplify our lives, how to simplify our lives. Maybe those words from Jesus were in her mind um, when she wrote or what, in what she was doing. Underneath her thinking, he said this, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And why do you worry about clothing? Jesus really knows us. He knows that we worry about clothing sometimes. Um, it's as if Jesus and Marie Kondo want to come into the closets of our lives and get into our garage, look in our spare room, see our workspace and how we arrange it. They want to ask, do you need all this stuff? Does your way of life or your lifestyle really bring you joy or hope or love? Are you hurrying and worrying your way through life? And if so, maybe there's a better way. So this week, for the sake of sermon research and because I like to practice what I preach, uh, I organized and cleared my closet, okay? Um, I didn't use the Marie Kondo method. I just said, this clutter is stressing me out. That was an honest statement. And I look in there, and it's like a jungle of confusion, Things are on top of each other. It's all mixed up. What is happening in here? And so I was as cold-hearted as I could bear to be. I, took, I filled up two big plastic bags with stuff from my closet, an old college sweatshirt from my ultimate Frisbee team. Oh, I wanted to keep it forever. An African print shirt from one of my travels on the continent. It just didn't look right. Um, soccer jerseys. Too many, more than I could ever wear in my entire life. A lot of soccer jerseys. Um, jeans that were shredded, but not in a cool way. You know what I mean? <laughs> Pants that fit some 20 years ago. Uh, th this was a reflective and, ref and, reflex um, and re reflective exercise uh, as I was feeling really thankful as I cleared out my closet. Thankful for times past. I was looking back and saying, yeah, I remember when this was the right thing for me. I remember when uh, I was in this place, but I'm not anymore. And I want to intentionally take on a practice of clearing some of that out, saying thank you and goodbye to make space for the new. So here's the thing. Simplicity as a uh, spiritual discipline or practice has both an inward and an outward aspect. There's an outward and an inward part to this idea of simplicity. Richard Foster writes this. He says, to attempt to arrange an outward lifestyle of simplicity without the inward reality leads to deadly legalism. Whoa. Let me read it again. To attempt to arrange an outward lifestyle of simplicity, like if you want to like look like you're really simple, you know, look like you really got your life all organized, but on the inside, it's not that way, it's legalism. You're doing it for the sake of somebody else, following some rule or law or something your preacher told you to do, but it's not on the inside. So we can't just clean out our closets or give away our possessions and believe that that alone would make for change. That's not what Jesus is talking about. We want our outsides to connect with our insides. Otherwise, it's just for show. So let me give you an example. When I think about living a more simple lifestyle, I think about the most extreme example, the Amish of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Do you know the Amish? 
this is the quintessential version of simple living. They don't use TVs, they don't use tele um, telephones, internet, automobiles. They make their own clothing. They have a very simple style of dress. It's all kind of made within their own community. Um, underneath this lifestyle for them is this world of spiritual practice, this philosophy of communion with God and others. They're very communally minded. They, they live simply outwardly, but also inwardly. It would not work for you and me. It would not work for us to just take on like an external simplicity as if we were Amish on the outside, but in our hearts, we're truly Presbyterian. I mean, in our hearts, we're just not going to go where the Amish go. And, and so that's the point. We want to have our outside and our inside line up. Jesus says this, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you as well. Jesus doesn't tell us that we don't need any of the other things. In fact, Jesus says, your heavenly Father knows the things you need. Hear this bird outside tweeting? The, the physical, material, created world is made by God for us, and we're placed in it. So God, it's so good to have things and to use things and to do things in our lives. But the teaching, the simple teaching, is to simplify, to first seek God's way and then move out into the world. So how do we do it? How do we take on a practice of simplicity that isn't just for show, that isn't just on the outside? As with any spiritual discipline, it's not just about what we do, but why we do it and how we do it. So I'll give you some ideas, and with each of these, the point is to try and connect us with a more, um, with an outer simplicity that connects to our inner desire to know God. So these are outer uh, practices for simplicity that are meant to connect to our inner desire, our heart, to be with, to know, to grow up in God. Okay, so I'm not saying that God's buried in a messy closet, but I am saying that um, as I arranged my own closet differently, this is just my own example, um, I got clarity, some clarity about what's important to me. I felt thankful for the people and things in my life. I was more honest about uh, what mattered. So I think that God shows up in a practice like that, and there's insights that come if we have eyes of faith to see. So here we go. For your week, I'm giving you three practices, three pieces of homework. Some of you have been taking notes. Some of you have been ignoring these altogether. We'll see which way you go. <laughs> then we'll have a sheep and goats sermon after that. Okay. Um, first practice for simplicity is to do what Marie Kondo does, tidying up your house. This is real. This is real. Tidying up your house. This week, I invite you to go into some space in your life, whether it is your, um, your bedroom, your closet, your bookshelf, your workspace, your closet. Uh, did I say your closet? All right, huh? Um, you can try this. Your countertops. Look at all the countertops in your life, in your, in your house. And I want you to see anywhere in your house where stuff accumulates. And then take on the spiritual practice of simplifying your physical space. Simplify your physical space. Where would that space be for you? I, I don't know. Each of us have our little places. So that means decluttering, throw things away, fold, hang up, Swiffer, wipe down. That's all the exterior part, right? That's the practice that you can try out this week. But while you do that cleaning and that tidying, I want you to open yourself. This is the intention. Open yourself to listen for a still, small voice, to see if God is there with you as you simplify your stuff, if it leads you towards hearing something or knowing something or finding something that God has to say to you. What will you learn while you clean your house? 
One of the amazing things about spiritual practices at their best is that they're simple, right? Simple practice. Clean up your stuff, and while you do, with intention, God can speak to you there. So that's the first one. But the second one, very important one, is simplify your calendar. Simplify your calendar. Uh, a calendar is a spiritual document. And my calendar, my agenda, my schedule, which is all about external events and commitments in my day or my week, it reflects my internal reality. And so does yours. Our calendars, which are all about all the stuff we have to do, reflects our interior, internal reality. As we have come out of the deepest parts of the pandemic and life has started to open up again, I know that a lot of us have been very eager to get started with life, right? We want to, I heard about revenge travel, where people are just traveling to get back in the pandemic. We are eager to get out there again. And for me, my calendar has been filled to the brim. My time has been taken up in a way that I'm starting to think might not be good for me. I'm not, we're not used to it, but also it just fills up. And I know this is the case for me because I felt it in my body of being tired, worn out, wiped out, of hurrying or hustling or feeling behind, of saying those terrible words to my kids, hurry up. Ooh. If you've ever gotten a bit snippy or snappy or short with the ones you love, it's an indicator you might have too much on your plate, too much on your calendar. There's a spiritual Christian writer named Peter Schizero who says this. He says, our bodies often know before our minds the state of our souls. Our bodies often know before our minds the state of our souls. We feel it in our body, our shoulders or our neck, you know the way that you kind of have tension and it builds up. Oh, too much going on. Not, catching, not getting your, your eight, night, eight hours of sleep. There's a USC philosophy professor, now deceased, uh, Dallas Willard, who once wrote, he said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry. Oh, hurry and worry, they go together well. I don't know if this resonates with you or not, but I'm speaking from my experience, and I hope it connects to your life. It may depend on the season of life that you're in, but for a lot of us, hurry and worry, they go hand in hand. Jesus teaches us, do not worry. So I want to suggest that if we want to do what Jesus says, not worry, we got to look, about, look at hurry, and that means looking at our calendars. Sit down this week. Here's the practice. Open up your calendar. If it's on your phone, that's okay. If you got one of those old, old school pocket calendars, that's kind of cool. If you have no calendar, get your life together. But... Um, no, maybe you don't have one. That's okay. There are Amish among us. So if there's something on there, on your calendar, as you sit down and look at it this week that you could possibly take off, why not do it? Something you kind of said yes to, but you should have said no to. Maybe this is your chance because your preacher is telling you to, to reach out and say, I just cannot make that commitment. Oh, thank you for inviting me, but it turns out I can't, I can't be there. I don't want you to skip like you know, your kid's first day of school or your wedding day or something, but um, especially that one. But it's kind of addition by subtraction. Take something off your calendar. Is there something you could, you could take off? Or maybe look ahead at your commitments over the next week or the next month and see, is there a space? Is there a space? Is there a day where it's not filled up already? And you could claim that day, that space on your calendar to simplify with God. 
so you could set it apart. If you need to put it in your calendar, you know, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., seek ye first the kingdom of God. Good thing. Put it in there. We don't all have this luxury. I'm aware of that. Some of us are not in a situation where you can um, use your time exactly in this way. But if you're intentional and you look around, you're likely to find a day like that. It might be two months from now. It might be out there. But no hurry, no worry to seek the things of God. So that's a day, if you, can, if you can claim it, where you can set it aside for family time, time in nature, time doing the personal care things that you're always putting off, and then you're like, oh, man, I need a mani-pedi really fast. Um, time to take a walk, time to read a book, time to take a nap. It could just be a morning. Maybe you can't do a whole day. Maybe it's just a morning. In some ways, I'm describing Sabbath, and I'm speaking to Christian people and saying, maybe you need a Sabbath. But I know that even your Sabbath day, your Sunday, can sometimes get filled up. Anyone going to a choir party later? Anyone here early setting things up? So we all have commitments in, our, in all of our days, but I wonder if there's a, a day, a half a day ahead that you could look at your calendar and say, let me claim that to seek first the things of God. So simplify your space, your stuff, your living place. Two, simplify your calendar. One more. Three, simplify your technology. Simplify your technology. Now, don't worry. We're not getting full Amish here. We all live in Silicon Valley. We use technology every day, every week. It's a good part of our lives. It's fine. But the more that we pursue or seek to pursue a simple life with God, we want to gain clarity about where is God in my life. We need to focus on our tech because technology has the ability to distract us. Technology can distract us. So one practice uh, to try out is that when you come home, take the phone out of your purse, out of your pocket, wherever it is, and plug it in and leave it there on the table, right? Set it aside. Don't carry it around with you. Don't have it accessible to you. And the point is to be present with the ones you're with, your spouse, your partner, your children, the others in your household, or yourself. Uh, it's easy to get distracted by your phone, I mean, that's actually what a phone is made for. It's to distract you. Do you ever get those bings and dings and red lights? And you say, ooh, what's that? That's what the phone is made for. It's wiring your brain to respond. There's always something more interesting out there, isn't there, out in the world? Something more interesting to look at um, than what's going on right around you. Technology has so many good benefits for us, but one of the unfortunate parts is that it distracts us. We can't have a simple life with God if we're constantly distracted. Technology is a way. Richard Foster, in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, talks about this idea. I'll give you a cool idea. Simplicity versus duplicity. Simplicity versus duplicity. Simplicity, um, you know, means uh, sort of a singular focus, right? We focus on one thing. It's simple, one thing. Duplicity comes from a Greek word for two. It means being double-minded, we think of it like deceitful, but it has another meaning of being double-minded, where we have many things on our minds to handle or manage or think about all at once. Sometimes you've got to do that. You can multitask, but here's the practice. Try to uh, take control of your technology so that you're not always being duplicitous. Be simple, single-minded. Um, I recently got an alert on my phone, speaking of phones, and it said that I was running out of data. I was running out of storage. I was running out of space on my phone. I had too much stuff on my phone. Can you imagine I have too much stuff on my phone in my pocket? And it said, you need to delete some things. So I deleted podcasts and 
photos. I try not to delete the, 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 you know, the videos of my children, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff that comes on your phone. And it said, one thing was taking up a lot of space on my phone was an app called Facebook. Yeah. And I, and, uh, and so I deleted it. And some of you are watching on Facebook. Hi. Um, I have it on my computer. I didn't delete my, my account. I need it for some things. Um, but I know myself that when I'm bored or when I'm sitting around, there's always something interesting in the world. I'll just scroll through. You know, maybe it's not Facebook for you or, you know, younger folks here today. Maybe you have a different social media outlet, whatever it is. Um, but I often mindlessly go through, and I bet you do too. Um, so if we want to seek first God's kingdom, and we want to be present with the ones we love, maybe we need, and if we want simplicity and not duplicity, technology is an area to focus on. I don't know if you need to delete that off your phone, but maybe you do. Maybe you need to get in there and say, how can I simplify my tech life? And that's the end of this sermon. Three simple practices for your life. Um, I don't want to go on and on, but I do want to encourage you as you seek to live a life with Jesus this week, to seek first the kingdom of God, that these are three ways you can try it out. First, go in your closet, your workspace, your bedroom. See what ideas emerge. See what feelings arise. See if God is there as you clear and clear that space up. Second, simplify your calendar. Take something off leave a space blank, intentionally set aside time for God to speak into your life. Third, simplify your tech. Having your mind halfway around the world is not good when, you, when the people you love are right in front of you. Simplify your tech as a way to focus on the things that matter to you most. God is here with us in these simplifying practices that are meant to help us see, to hear God's word, and to live in a brand new way. So may it be so for you. Amen. Amen. Amen.